Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beautiful, snowy, icy, cold, Ohio winter Thursday. Don't we all wish we were chilling on a dirt road that you could actually see the dirt and wasn't slippery and wasn't <clears throat> so cold uh, as the Jason Aldean song uh, brings us into the Browns Wire podcast. Welcome in. I hope everyone is doing well. Hope everyone is doing safe. If you hear a little, uh, or being safe, sorry, if you hear a little difference in my voice today, unfortunately, as those of you that follow me on Twitter are aware, unfortunately diagnosed with COVID earlier this week, I am a level of symptomatic, uh, but I'm still able to function and do what I need to do thanks to uh, vaccinations and being boosted. Uh, looks like I am hopefully turning the corner a little bit. Uh, so just some sinusy stuff, some headaches, sore throat, all of that stuff throughout this uh, process. But if you hear a little difference in my voice, that's all it is. And so we're jumping right in. Listen, it's Senior Bowl week. A lot of good friends, uh, even my buddy Jeff Risden, who helps out on the Browns Wire, uh, who ran it for such a long time and uh, get, did the honor of, of handing it over to me as he uh, continues to help out but uh, takes care of the Lions Wire, is down there in the Senior Bowl. And the story of the Senior Bowl so far and the practices and all that is Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty. How big of a story is he? I'm looking at a headline from CBS Sports that says, Rain and wind was no match for Malik Willis. No match. Listen, the hyperbole is already going strong. And if you look at the title of this podcast, it asks the question, is it a mirage? Right? And so uh, Malik Willis is a quarterback who a lot of people were intrigued by. Good arm strength, athletic, can move around, stands right about six foot, maybe just a hair over that. So he's not, you know, this huge quarterback, but someone who has some upside, someone who can really be developed, but was looked at like a developmental prospect. He was looked at a guy that maybe you take a a flyer on him late first round, but even then probably that's a little high. Maybe you're looking at someone in the the second round, mid to late, kind of looking at that area. And that's really only because of the added value of the quarterback position, right? Like the reality would be is if you're purely looking at what you see on the field from his time in college against a lower level of competition, all of that, you're probably no more than looking at third round or so. But the reality is he's at a quarterback position that's really valuable. He has a lot of upside, which is really valuable. And now in seven on seven and one on one and and all of the practices in the senior bowl, all of a sudden Malik Willis looks like people think he might 
be a first round pick. And I want to pump the brakes, not because I don't think Malik Willis can be a good quarterback. Listen, I have no idea how talent evaluators, analysis uh, analysts like us, how so many people say that person won't be good or isn't worth or shouldn't be like those really or will be, you know, he's a lock. I'm not sure. Listen, it's good to have confidence in what you're doing. But the reality is I'm not sure how so many people are so willing to make declarative statements. I know it's important to stand on what you believe. I know that is important. It absolutely is important. But the reality of the NFL draft is that it's an art and a science, right? And so the art is, I'll just use an example. I thought Lamar Jackson was be really good. And so far in his NFL career, he has been really good. Now, if you only evaluate quarterbacks, whether they win a Super Bowl, if that's all you evaluate, there's only been a few good quarterbacks in the NFL ever, right? There's so many other pieces to the puzzle. On the other hand, Josh Allen, I didn't think he would be able to put the work in and be put in a position where he could be successful as a throwing quarterback, I was wrong. The Buffalo Bills brought him along perfectly. He was not very accurate, and that is not something that changes very often. I was on with uh, the OBR folks, uh, Michael Keefe and then uh, Corey Kinnon, and I were were guests for that show, and, and we talked about Josh Allen as the unicorn. It is rare that a really inaccurate quarterback becomes decently accurate or accurate. That's what happened with Josh Allen over a couple of years in the NFL. And to be honest, that's what people are hoping for from Malik Willis. His development is over time. He's put in a position, whether that's to sit for a year or so, or like the Bills did with Josh Allen, have him run some, be okay with the inaccuracy, try to run the ball a lot, and just kind of suffer through knowing that it may not be until year three or four that you might have an accurate quarterback, that you might have a winning quarterback. The mirage that we are seeing with the senior bowl and these one-on-one drills and the seven-on-seven is there's not a lot of reading going on. There's not a significant pass rush coming. Willis doesn't have to know Where is that safety rotating from? Is there an underneath linebacker doing this, that, or the other thing? He knows in general he has one-on-one coverage on the guy he's throwing the ball to most often. It's not complicated. It's not making reads. They're most likely not doing a lot of option routes where the quarterback and the wide receiver have to be on the same page. All of the intricate details that make quarterbacks good to great in the NFL don't happen with what's currently going on in the Senior Bowl and all these practices. Can he throw the ball downfield a long way? Sure. Can he make some really nice throws because he is confident that there's not a rotating safety going to come over and take his wide receiver's head off? Sure, absolutely. Or going to intercept the ball, right? Sure, he can absolutely do that. He doesn't have to really read coverages. And again, I'm not saying he can't do those things. I'm saying the mirage is that what you are seeing, whether you're down there at practice or you're watching it online or you're seeing the highlights, the mirage 
is that what you're seeing now translate in, translates into game time situations. It doesn't. That doesn't mean Malik Willis can't be a very good quarterback. Most agree he needs time to develop. And if you're the Cleveland Browns, if you're Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, are you in a position to draft a developmental quarterback? Do you look at your roster and go, well, it's really good. We can Josh Allen this thing and and just have a quarterback who's not making mistakes. Every once in a while, I can throw the ball deep downfield. But we're not asking him to do a lot because the running game and the defense are going to carry us. That's a lot of risk with a team and some players, especially some of the free agents they brought in, who want to compete right away in a conference with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. Okay? It is a mirage what we're seeing. That doesn't mean he can't be good, but especially for the Cleveland Browns, whether you're talking about the 13th pick, the second round, trading down, trading up, whatever it is, Malik Willis needs to be put in position to be successful. Similar to someone like EJ Manuel, who got drafted in the first round by the Buffalo Bills, interestingly, he was the best of maybe not a great crop, and that pushed him up. The odds are that Malik Willis is going to be pushed up by the lack of other quarterbacks that have kind of that upside. That doesn't mean we're for sure saying he is quarterback one, but after the Senior Bowl, this mirage may have set up some people, again, whether that's just the fans and media, or could it be... Some of the NFL teams going, we see what he can be, and we can coach him up. That is first down here on the Browns wire. Second, third, and fourth down, we're going to run through really, really quickly. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Second down, we need to take a second to talk about Hugh Jackson. Listen. If you look at his, uh, we have some write-ups up on Browns Wire, including his entire interview with SportsCenter. And when you look at everything that Hugh Jackson said, it sounds like he was told, here's the four-year plan. He said multiple times he didn't totally understand it. And then that there were some bonuses or some extra possible money if they had a really young team, if they you know, were in certain percentages of things, if they had some extra draft picks, there was... That was kind of a part of the plan, and and really what he saw that really bothered him the most was there were no bonuses, there was no goals related to winning until year three or four. Mm. Yeah, that doesn't sound like tanking. That sounds like a very clear plan to have a young roster, to have extra draft picks, to try to build a quality team. Uh, pretty confident all of us knew that was the Browns' plan. Extra draft picks. They never talked. They wanted higher draft picks. They talked about top 100 picks, different times. But what they really talked about, what Sashi Brown talked about, was bites from the apple. 
He wanted as many bites from the apple as he could. If they really cared about higher draft picks, really, really cared, they're not trading down for number two. Except what they really cared about was extra bites from the apple. Now, you might say, well, higher draft picks means you could trade down and get more draft picks. You're exactly right. But Hugh Jackson did not present bonuses for tanking. What he presented was the Browns had a very clear plan that the first two years was about building a foundation so that they could win. I think he used the the numbers eight, nine or ten games in year three and four. Well, that sounds about right that they wanted to win eight, nine, or 10 games in year three and four, right? Not combined each of those years, eight wins, nine wins the next year, whatever. Hugh Jackson started one in 31, was given a third year, while Sashi Brown, the architect of that plan at some level, along with Paul D. Podesta, Andrew Barry was there. He was gone. John Dorsey was in. They brought in Todd Haley to try to help winning happen in year three, and he was still not winning football games. Seems like Hugh Jackson wants to support Brian Flores, but may not be doing Brian Flores and his lawsuit any good by trying to attach what seems like a clear plan to be young, to get a lot of draft picks. Not that they don't want to win, right? There's a complete difference in we don't want to win, don't plan of our good players, and We want to be young and have lots of draft picks. Remember, Hugh Jackson is the guy who didn't play Nick Chubb in his rookie season, even though he was more talented than Carlos Hyde. So who was trying to lose games? Because it seems like if you want to win some games there, Huey boy, that's going to have Nick Chubb on the field, right? So again, Hugh Jackson, second down. Listen, Hugh. Do your thing at Grambling State. I don't think you're helping Brian Flores out. And it just seems like, especially after you've already lost an arbitration case related to some of this, it just seems like you're getting attention in the wrong way, pal. Uh, And listen, it is what it is. Uh, You drive your bus down at Grambling State. I'm not sure why you want to try to drive your bus over Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta. Still holding that grudge. Doesn't seem like it's healthy for anyone. Third down, real quick, want to talk about the draft. Listen, this is what we're getting excited about. Josh Keatley has done a really good job. He's really trying to focus on getting everybody an idea of what some of the mock drafts out there are saying and what his thoughts are on some of those mock drafts. Really, uh, what we're trying to do is kind of, if you think of like a funnel, we're really at the top of the funnel, trying to just kind of do that kind of broad base. Here's some thoughts on different guys, and, and using the mock drafts to do that can be a really fun way of learning about things. Listen, I'm pretty confident there's a wide receiver uh, named Bell that Josh loves and uh, obviously Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, because he is also a part of our Buckeyes wire. Uh, but I think what's really interesting and just something I want to make sure we're, we're hitting on is this first round is not just about wide receiver. Now, I don't think quarterback, because there really isn't one, I don't think quarterback is, is in play at 13. And giving the roster offensive lineman is probably not in play, right? Uh, there's probably not a tight end in play. Running back, not going to happen in the first round for sure. Although Dearness Johnson is a free agent restricted or is going to be restricted. Kareem Hunt has one year left on his contract. So a running back may come off the board earlier than some of you are thinking. So on offense, it's really wide receiver, right? But on defense, maybe it's safety, right? 
So Grant Delpit, John Johnson, but they want a third. Ronnie Harrison's probably gone. Grant Delpit was good at times. John Johnson the third was good at times. Probably not cornerback where Denzel Ward, Troy Hill, Greg Newsom, and then uh, Greedy Williams going into last year last year of his contract might be a little much to invest another uh, first round pick in cornerback. And then linebacker, they already spent a second round pick on Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, unlikely to go there again. But that does not mean the defensive line could not be a strong place for them to look in the 2022 NFL Draft. Currently speaking, Miles Garrett is about it on the defensive line. Now, they have people, right? They have the Jordan Elliotts and the Tommy Togi eyes and uh, the Curtis Weavers. They have some people. But right now, defensive linemen set to be on the Cleveland Browns roster. There is one that we truly know is a starting level player, and obviously he's a top level player in Miles Garrett. Jadavion Clowney is a free agent. He's going to go after his money. We talked about it on Browns Wire. You can look that one up on, on our site. <sighs> Tack McKinley, Achilles injury. Probably not available, and he's set to be a free agent as well, but probably not available for at least most of the season. Could be back earlier. We saw that with Cam Akers, but you absolutely never know. That can look different for everyone. Grant Delpit looked a little slow coming back. It took him a little while to get back into gear. And then in the interior of the defensive line, there's there's some guys, there's some backups, but I'm not sure you have two starters there. Um, Malik McDowell um, is probably going to be off the team. It's possible they keep him. Uh, we got to let all that kind of play out in the legal system and whatever. Malik Jackson, older veteran, he's a free agent, really wasn't all that. So when we look at the 2022 NFL draft, it's a it seems like it's a kind of two, I'll use the word position, but I don't really actually mean that. It's really a three position kind of thing in the first round. Or even when we're talking about the top picks, it's wide receiver, obviously, right? Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, Jarvis Landry, perhaps depending on contract and all that. And that's a wide receiver seems like a place that they could invest number 13, right? But it's also a place where, I don't know, defensive end a a, a stud defensive tackle if they think there is one I'm not totally sure there is so that means it could be down to two positions wide receiver and defensive end and that's where the depth of the positions really comes into play is if a defensive end that the Browns have as a top seven eight nine kind of player falls to 13 and they believe that in their second round they could get another wide receiver Jahan Dotson or whatever all of a sudden I think you're going to see an edge player at 13. And then if they want to get aggressive like they did with Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa and move up in the second round for a wide receiver or back into the first round, they could do that, especially with the assumption that they have an extra third-round pick coming from uh, uh, the Adolfo Mensa being taken by the Minnesota Vikings as their new general manager. The Browns will have a late third-round pick that is extra, and they'll have a early fourth-round pick that is extra from their trade with the Detroit Lions. So they have two picks that won't be that far from each other. Uh, so some good ammunition to move up in the second round. We could see that. But right now in the 13th pick, I, I believe it's pretty easy to say we're most likely looking at the Cleveland Browns selecting a pos- player at wide receiver or defensive end, two very valuable positions and two positions that the Browns have significant needs 
free agency, trades could change that. But for right now, pick 13, and we're talking about this is third down. It is a wide receiver defensive line draft early for the Cleveland Browns. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And then finally, fourth down. I kind of hinted at this a little bit with the Malik Willis conversation. I think what's going to be interesting is to kind of get an idea of what Andrew Barry is kind of thinking for 2022. Does he start to trade down? Does he look at where the Browns are and say, we need to build a better foundation for a future quarterback? So we're going to move out of 13 and get into the 20s, maybe get an extra third round pick, maybe get next year's second round pick, whatever that trade could look like to get us more ammunition and more talented players around whoever that future quarterback is. Or does he look at the roster and say, if Baker Mayfield comes back healthy, obviously he's talked about a bounce back year, right? We get it. Bounce back. That'd be great. We'd love to see 2020 Baker Mayfield. And if we have 2020 Baker Mayfield, maybe we need to move up. Maybe we need to make sure we get a Garrett Wilson or again, uh, I think Burks is going to continue to rise up people's boards. Um, during this kind of draft process, do they need to move up for them or uh, do they need to move up for a defensive end and then find that wide receiver elsewhere? Do they trade a future pick for a player like Calvin Ridley or do they, do they trade some picks for, for players that are available now instead of drafting, right? I think it's going to be really fun and really interesting for us to read into what we see from the Browns, both in early free agency when the league year opens trades, signings, all of that as well as then what do they do with a 13th pick and beyond? Do we get an idea of the direction of the team trading down, trading up, trading for players? I think it's going to be really fun to watch. And I really hope fans, media, whatever, are open-minded about the future of the Cleveland Browns. Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski have a vision, have a plan. But if they miss the playoffs again in 2022, could be difficult to make it to 2023 with Jimmy Haslam a little itchy on the trigger figure. Two straight years of not making the playoffs after making it in 2020 could be difficult. We'll get an idea of what Barry, Stefanski, and the rest think about the team as free agency opens and then when they what they do with their draft picks, which could become in a trade much earlier than the NFL draft. Thank you for stopping by this Browns Wire podcast. I hope you are safe. I hope you are taking care of yourself with this nasty weather. If you were in this great state of Ohio, or it seems like about half of the country at this point in time, please make sure you're safe. Please take care of yourself, take care of others, and go Browns. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast 
set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.